previously on the Soundless Citadel. After hearing the voice of Thorn, you guys are alert by whatever is inside. Erky then goes, well, I'm not entertaining that kind of thought. Let's go! And then he literally just jumps into the darkness. Are you all right? Yes, sir. There's a bit of a zombie problem down here. We've got this. Oh, goodness gracious. As you head to the back of the room, you notice that there is something on the ground, encompassing what you must think to be easily. Methuselah, what are you doing? Stop! I have to go back there. It's where I belong. No, Methuselah, you belong here with us. And then he's gonna focus as hard as he can, and with whatever holy power he has left, he's going to use lay on hands to heal Methuselah. In the glowing garden of Daphne, you guys find the nice, cozy place as best as you can to reside for your long rest. You guys gather, and then, finally, take a long deserved rest. Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel. An epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descent into the dungeon? Or is there a dark and calamity taking roots far from the sun's reach? After this battle, you guys finally decide to take a rest within the garden, and you guys arrange Figured out who's the ones to take the first and last watch. Thorn is going to approach Seeker. Would you like to take a watch with Thorns? Oh, well, I I'd love that. Uh, are you okay with Methuselah joining us? Because they usually do the watches with everybody. Oh, yes. Elvis can join as well. This is going to be the most fun watch ever, isn't it, Thorn? Oh, yes. It's always a fun time with Thorn. Well, uh, Mortis, would you like to do the second watch? Oh, uh, I can do that. Uh, I just need some time to rest. That's fair. I guess then Thorn Seeker and I can take the first watch. What about you, Erky? Did you want to join or did you want to rest? Although I am a bit tired, I actually would prefer to take a watch with you and Mortis too. With that said, you guys then settle down. Those who are supposed to rest to take the second watch do then rest while Seeker, Methuselah, and Thorn stay alert. I would like those who need to watch to roll a perception check. I got a natural one, so I get with Bardic Inspiration back. Thorn got an eight. Eleven. <laughs> Thorn looks towards Seeker. Matzes, Thorns has something that asks of you. Well, go on, my little friend. Well, Mortis and I are doing our little competitions to seize 
Whose can get the nicest gift for the Maquis? And Thorns was wondering if Skatsis wanted to help Thorns find the most wonderful gift. Well, I do love finding very pretty things. I'm sure that we could together find something very nice for the Marquis. Yes, and when Thorn finds the nicest gift, then the Marquis will know that Thorn is their bestest friend. Yes, yes, Katzes will be very helpful. Methuselah is kind of paying attention to this conversation. They're just sitting and listening and fiddling with Yorick and just touching the keys and watching the shadows rise and being very confused, but also listening and being like, oh no. Uh... Hi, Methuselah. D- do you know anything about- Oh, well, I-, I I was there and awake when this game was made. It seems rather interesting. If you'd like to, to help Thorn, I-, I don't see a problem in that. Oh, oh, it is just a fun game that we are playing. And, and Thorn thinks it would be most wonderful for Thorns to win. Because then the Marquis will be so happy with them. Yes, yes, we want to win the game, so that's why this has to join Thorn. Well, you know that I love games. I can get a bit competitive sometimes. It doesn't come out very often because I don't come from a very competitive community, but you let me know what I can do to help you out, Thorn. Now that we're alone, uh, away from Mortis, I was wondering if you had any ideas of the sorts of gifts that you wanted to give the Marquis. Any hints? Well, Thornsis was looking at the very, very bright ore in the tree. That is one very, very good contender for a beautiful gift for the Marquis. Can I do a Arcana check to see if I have heard of this specific magic item that's making sunlight? Yes, go ahead. Do it with disadvantage because you're exhausted. Yeah. I got a 16 on Arcana. To the best of your knowledge, this is an item that mimics the light of the sun. It is an item meant to be able to il- not only illuminate, but provide the same nutrients and uh, effects as direct sunlight would do. Those would be used mostly for underground habitation, as some stories and some poems of ancient times. In times of crisis, people could bring the sun in certain items for maybe inside of mountains such as like the dwarves of the south when Stopenstein uses it or maybe even you have heard rumors about the civilizations in the north where the area is covered by snow and frost that rages eternally in the far north so the only ways for people to survive is underground. And those people would usually have similar things. So this must be a physical example of what you have heard. And its capabilities are very clear to you on that. I, I do think that's a, quite an interesting idea. I think that it would not be too great for poor Dryad down here and the plants. They need that sunlight. They need sunlight to grow. Yes, it, it's sort of a part of the process. Thorns did not know that. Maybe Thorns can find a way to borrow it. Ah, forgive me for the assumption. I'm not familiar with the Marquis as you are, but I don't think he has any intention of giving this item back. I did give my glove to the Marquis, and I've never gotten those back, so 
It doesn't seem to be the case. I'm sorry, what happened to your gloves, Methuselah? Oh, well, they were given to the Marquis by Thorn, and, uh, I suppose that's all I'll say on that matter. Okay. I agree with Methuselah that this magical sun might not be the best choice of gift. Uh, we can surely help you find something better, Thorn. Well, Thorns was thinking that he would convince the friendly tree lady to become friends with the Marquis. I think she would be a good friend for the Marquis. Well, I'm sure the Marquis would appreciate someone like Daphne, but I don't really know if he's the type of friend that she needs. Was there anything I could do to help you? Thorn was thinking maybe if we look together through the dungeons, we can find a special gift for the Marquis together. Sure, I, I can help with that. I was wondering, Thorn, what do you think the Marquis wouldn't like in terms of gifts? Well, the Marquis does not seem to like Methuselahs very much. Marquis does not like it when people have too many friends. Other than that, I think the Marquis would want something nice. Something not too easy to find. Seeker, you have a good eye for quality. Is there anything we've seen so far that you think would make a good gift? Seeker has a little smile on their face as they say, Well, there is a lot of dragon iconography around here. That could be valuable to the right person. Most of it's ruins and sculptures, but I suppose if one is interested in dragons, those dusty trinkets might have some appeal. Do y'all remember that one coffin? Oh, yes! Though, it might be very heavy, but Thorn wonders what's inside. That's what I was thinking. I think that maybe we shouldn't do that. Uh, we, we discussed this earlier, and I'm still not comfortable with disturbing the dead in that way. Uh, especially as an undead myself. Instead, we can give the whole thing to the Marquis. That way it stays closed. I think what's in there is a, a dangerous cultist from the Draconic Empire. I don't think there's much value in that sort of person, since, you know, the dragon did a lot of damage to the people down here. I think that it's best to keep them locked away. Alright, so that one is out. There's also many old relics down here that we could take, and maybe the druid has very interesting things, experiments and things like that. Yeah, I'm sure that we'll find something. Alright, and it'll be cooler than anything Mortis could think of. Oh yes, oh yes. Do you have ideas for this gift, Methuselah? You know the Marquis a little better than I do. Well, I don't think I have any grander ideas than what you two could come up with. I tend to be simple with gift-giving. Even items like keepsakes can be valuable when you see value in many things as, as I do. It's difficult for me to decide, so if you don't mind me asking, were there any extra special ideas that you had in mind? Thorn is going to glance over where Mortis is sleeping, and he'll gesture for Seeker and Methuselah to come huddle around to me. Thorn was thinking about why he is here. When Thorns was taken out of the place of many colors, the Marquis asks of us to come to this place and get him something very special. And now, Thorn has idea to make it even more special. 
Oh, what is that? Why give just the apple when I can give Smaki the whole tree once we kill the druid? How do you plan to give something so large? Thornses was going to claim the tree for us, so Maki can do with it what they wants. It is quite an interesting idea. And and Thornses know Maki will not feed the trees of people. Maki would never do that, no. Maki would find a much more fun way to make the tree very nice, and then all of Maki's friends can have beautiful, beautiful apples that will probably turn from gold into wonderful rainbow apples. I'll much in Faith's reasons for coming here to find the apple, right? Bath did mention that Faith was sent to find the apple of virtue, but we weren't told why. Basically, we wanted to plant our own tree in Tom's rest as a symbol of healing, and as a priestess in training, Faith decided that she would go on this mission with the others. The last time I saw her was when she told me to pick a spot in the garden for the tree, and, th and then she left. And so we'd like to at least get a seed of the apple, if that's alright, especially if something did happen to Faith. I would be devastated if she died in vain. If I had a seed, I could complete her mission, you know? Oh yes, don't worry. Thorns is certain that he will give apples to anyone who wants And if you need an apple, you can take it before Thorn gives the tree to Marquis. Suppose that's fair enough for the Marquis. Well, Thorn, I'm not saying this is a bad idea, but what purpose would the Marquis have for a whole tree? What would he do with it? Thorn does not know, but Thorn thinks that the Marquis will use the tree to make many friends, and they would all be very happy. He would make this place not so senseless, and peoples would come to live here again. I do like the idea that beauty can one day come out of a place like this. You know, a, a place that has seen so much darkness, especially with the Draconic Empire and all the people that suffered and, and were enslaved down here. Uh, I know that this evil now comes from the druid, but there does seem to be something more, something deeper. I'm not sure what it is. It could be why this place fell so many years ago. Part of me is concerned that even after we defeat the druid, there may still be an evil lurking in the citadel. Whatever evil there is, Marquis's beautiful light and colors will chase them all out, and then this place will be beautiful again. Right, again, uh, I'm not super familiar with this Marquis, but I don't know. Is giving him the tree the best decision for everyone involved and uh, not involved too? Thorn thinks it would be better than leaving this place to keep rotting. The Druid has not been taking care of the peoples here, so the Marquis will take over and it will be much better. Maybe even Tom's rest could be made better by the Marquis. Seeker's just sitting there awkwardly at this point, not really knowing what to say to that. Methuselah realized at this point that Thorn isn't going to turn away from this way of thinking, so he's just sitting in silence, fiddling with Yorick and playing a low tune. Meanwhile, Thorn is going on about what he thinks is going to happen when the Marquis has the tree, how everything's going to be, the Sun of Citadel is going to flourish, and he gets so excited from this impassioned speech that he ends up falling asleep mid-sentence. Once Methuselah notices Thorn starting to fall asleep, they make their way over to him and help him get more comfortable when he's resting. 
putting their jacket over top. Basically just tucking little Thorn into bed. And then he's going to turn to Seeker with this very concerned expression on their face. It's obvious that Methuselah has a sense of composure over him through the entire watch with Thorn. But as soon as Thorn's asleep, that just drops immediately. And they look very intense. Uh, Methuselah, I'm sure you're thinking the same thing as me. We can't let the Marquis get that tree, right? Oh no, not the tree or even the apple. I, I need to ask you for your help, Seeker. I know you're particularly skilled at borrowing things, uh, to put it kindly, and we need to make sure the apple of virtue or any other powerful magic item doesn't end up in the Marquis's grasp. I definitely catch your meaning, and I'll do whatever I can to help, but I don't think this whole mess with the Marquis will be as simple as snatching some sapphires from somebody's pocket. Might feel a little bad taking stuff from Thorn. I know he thinks he's doing right. Well, if you think about it, you are helping Thorn by not helping Thorn, or, or sort of sabotaging whatever plans has. Because this game, it, it's more for the Marquis's interests rather than the betterment of Thorn. So by not helping Thorn, in a way you're helping to free him from the Marquis's influences. You see, the Marquis is like a leech. It feeds off a person's trauma and, and suffering and gives this false imitation of happiness and doesn't allow people to to feel relieves the host of pain at the cost of their free will it's incredibly cruel oh definitely working through that definitely made me a stronger tabaxi like when my friend hummer decided to leave tom's rest it was really difficult for me in the beginning and then when I realized that that was what was best for him, that he had to go on his own journey, it helped me understand that we're all on our own journey in life and the cat lady needs us to do different things. But that makes a lot of sense about the Marquis. He doesn't seem like the type to care about anyone but himself. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. So both Mortis and Thorn are part of this game to find a gift for the Marquis, and the winner will be decided once we reach the surface again. The Winner is the one that the Marquis will bind himself to. But we don't want either of them to go work for the Marquis, right? Because I don't want Mortis to have to go through that pain. Well, it's not good if nobody gets it. Because then the Marquis essentially wins both of them. I don't think Mortis should have to take on this burden either, but... I know he's doing this to help Thorn, and that's his choice. So... I can't make any choices for him, but I would say that the best outcome is that he wins. There's anyone strong enough to stand up against the Marquis, it's, it's Mortis. But really, there's no way for us to really win this? I don't know. With the information we have now, I would like to talk to Mortis to see what his thoughts are. But... Since Thorn is after you for help, I think you should work against him, finding a gift for the Marquis. I'll do my very best. I don't like this game, and I love games. There's one more thing. Of course. If it were to come to it, if 
the apple or the tree are at risk of falling into the Marquis's hands, then they should be destroyed. I agree that it would be really bad if the Marquis got the apple, but Methuselah, you need a piece for Chrysantha. I know, but I think that having an evil like that in the world would be worse. If this is the only way to save Thorn from himself and stop the Marquis, we have to destroy it. I love Chrysantha, and I know she would be devastated if she knew that a great evil was allowed to live for the sake of saving her. I agree, but you know, I think we would need each other in order to be strong enough to do that. I don't want to put it on Mortis or Thorn, so it might be up to us. Erky's pretty strong. Do you think he'd be willing to help us out? I imagine so. I mean, he's a learned person, so he might know a thing or two about the Fae. We could bring this up to Erky. Although we've known Thorn longer, so if there's anyone I trust with this, it, it would be you. You have a very strong heart, Seeker, with determination to match. I've been wandering for so long now. Difficult to think that I might have to give up the thing that I've been searching for for so long. Noticing Methuselah's sadness, Seeker rubs up against their shoulder. I won't give up. Even though I've never met Chrysantha, I feel a connection to her through you and your music. Faith would love her too, and she knows just how much we need to protect those we care about. Yes, of course. Thank you, Seeker. Alright, well, um, I think it's probably time that we woke up Mortis and Erky. I can go wake up Mortis if you'd like, and you can go and wake up Erky. I think Thorn is quite settled here. Yeah, I can do that. Of course. Have a good rest. Yeah, you too. Kind of. Seeker's gonna go wake up Erky. You approach Erky, and very easily, you're able to wake him up. Uh, what? <sighs> oh, it's on my turn now? Uh, yeah, it's time for your watch, Erky. Uh, I hope that you got a good amount of sleep, or an okay amount of sleep. Yep. Yeah, I think I did. Alright then. Alright, it's been pretty quiet, so let's hope it stays that way, but if anything happens, feel free to wake me up, alright? I'll do so. Hopefully I won't have to. And then Seeker's gonna go and curl up underneath Faith's blanket, just holding their cat toy in their mouth again. And Methuselah wakes up Mortis. Mortis twitches for a moment, and then he slowly gets his bearings. Oh, ah, bro, my friend, is everything alright? Yes, sir, everything is... All right, um, I guess it's time for our watch with Erky. Good, good. Uh, should be a, a good time. Uh, they slowly kind of get up. Can I do an insight on Mortis? <laughs> of course, but uh, what are you trying to perceive? I want to see, like, if I can get any sort of sense of his mental state right now. Does he look, like, really tired and not into it? Or, you know, does he look okay? That's 15. Before you even look deeper, you could just tell from Mortis's face that he's not at 100%. Like, there's a lot going through his mind. Delving a little deeper, when he says this will be a good watch, he's you can tell he's somewhat concerned about something. There's something in the back of his mind that is deeply unsettling him. Methuselah's going to keep that in mind and walk with Mortis over to where Erky is to sit down and have the watch. I'm going to say as we set up our little watch area, Mortis is going to take a lantern and place it down in the center of us and 
turn it on? Because I imagine you guys probably didn't use a light or a fire or something. No. Then with that, everybody can do their perception checks now. I got a 13. I also got a 13. Hey! You guys quietly pay attention to the environment around you, trying to perceive whatever dangers might come from the depths of the Sunless Citadel. Although Erky is the first one to break the silence, after a little moment, he goes, I am quite sure now that what we found just a little while ago is the cause as to why we have been here for so long. Why would you say that, my friend? You see, there are trains of thought in regards to other areas of existence, planes of existence. And one of them, it's one called the Shadowfell. I think I might have mentioned before, if I did, I... Sorry for repeating myself. Y- yes, you, you did mention that. Yeah. You sort of described, at least to me, what it is. Mortis, do you know anything about it, or would you like me to tell you? Uh, to be honest, uh, even in my studies of the magical arts, I, I've never come across such a term, but that dark void we encountered, it was unlike anything I've ever seen. You're not wrong, because... This is not a whole world. And that was just the entrance. Indeed, actually. But, well, for me to do this right, I need to explain to you that it is a place of darkness, a place of uh, what seems to be devoid of emotions or essence. In its own way, it's almost a place of death, but not really. It's a, uh, as to the lack of true evidence from this place. I'm only working here with second-hand accounts on what people theorize of this place based on on folklore and other um, experiences that people had with entrances to this. One such as that we found just now. That hole, that lake of dark liquid. I, I don't even think I can call it water. It's fits all the descriptions of what an entrance to this evil place of darkness is. A place to the Shadowfell. A portal to it. And um, there have been accounts about how the passage of time seems to be longer in some ways. And some people find it take such a long time to escape areas with these portals to the Shadowfell. They imagined that finding these places took hours or days. When trying to leave the area with one of those places, it's almost like it takes weeks. So the theory is that the place of darkness slows down time. It's almost like it depresses time to the point that it lasts much longer. As to why we have not yet been able to find a compelling argument, a concrete theory as to it. But if this could corroborate as to the fact that we have been here much longer, we have had rests, full-on hours worth of rest, maybe days worth of rest while in here when this place is not big enough to be able to last this long. I suppose I, I can see that. On the surface, I can travel for much longer without really needing to stop. But down here, it, it does seem like I get sort of tired in a weird 
lethargic. Technically, yeah. We all have. This place has been contaminated by the effects of this place of darkness, this realm of darkness. To think such a power could influence time itself. This is truly a terrible place. And then both of you notice that Mortis's gaze breaks from the two of you and he kind of just stares at the ground. In my time studying under Shi, I learned much about death, how important it is. In a natural sense, death fuels the resurgence of life, but, but in a void such as you describe, the never-ending death is senseless, with no greater purpose. I cannot imagine a more horrible fate. Well, I'll say, although I was drawn there previously, I don't think I'd ever want to go back. It was terrible. I, I, I agree. I, for all accounts, it is a horrible place. Although, I... I would be lying if I didn't find it curious or at least promising some of the aspects of this time distortion. You know, like, maybe that could be one of the reasons why this place has such full gardens. Maybe because the time distortion is allowing the plants to be able to grow in a normal, in naturally, but in a way that compared to the outside, the surface, it would take days, decades, for them to flourish the way they have grown up here. Promising maybe even to the druid to be able to care for his garden in a way that it takes much less time for the plants to grow. Because in here, it's normal, but outside, it's a mere moments. And I'm sorry, I'm just thinking a little bit ahead um, on the possibilities. And Anyway, no, it's still an evil place, though. Yes, I, I wouldn't really want to see anyone accidentally wander in there like like I did. After a moment of silence, Mortis meets Methuselah's gaze again. Methuselah, uh, in your memories, I know they are scattered, but... Do you have any recollection whether the Shadowfell had an influence over time during... The reign of the Draconic Empire? Oddly enough, there wasn't any sort of portals down here. There, there wasn't even the f- heaviness down here that I'm sort of feeling now. I, I thought it, you know, it was originally because coming back to this place, it, it sort of put a damper on my spirits, but now I know that it, it was due to this portal. The portal that I went through wasn't anywhere near here, so I don't know if it's even still there, how a portal came out in such a place. Would you know anything about how these portals arise, Loki? Well, there are no real concrete ideas, unfortunately. There are stories about how a person might be wandering in a forest and then they encounter a gateway towards a place of 
colors and shapes like the the Feywild, um, but those are tend to be chaotic, and when searched up, they are never really there. So it, it could be either folktale, or it could be maybe that there is an erratic motion towards those gateways. Um, I wonder if it's something similar to do with gateways towards this realm of darkness, where if there is either some sort of erratic behavior, some predetermined conditioning, or maybe if it's just to do with a doctor that we don't know as of yet. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't know much, and this realm of scholarly um, research is very theoretical still. Can I do a roll to put two and together between the pain that I suffered under the Draconic Empire and the sort of pain that led up to me going into the Shadowfell to understand maybe there's a correlation of suffering in these portals? Do for me an intelligence check, please. 19, which was actually what I rolled on the other die. Based on your personal experiences and the little that you know about the environment of the Sunless Citadel, you find that there is a promising theory about the subject. It does seem plausible. I suppose this is just me speaking from my own personal account, so take it with a grain of salt, but when I went into Shadowfell for the first time, I was in a great deal of pain. I was dying, so the place here, this on the Citadel, is a lot of pain. You know, lots of people, servants, Slaves of the Draconic Empire, they all suffered. So I'm wondering if maybe there's any sort of correlation to suffering with these portals appearing. Erky kind of ponders a little bit. So you're saying that the amount of pain and suffering in an area could be a common denominator as to these gates opening? I, I don't know that for sure. I I'm just saying what I know. Well, it's as valid as an option and as a theory as any other, to be honest. Uh, different from the gates that I mentioned about the Feywild, these, the rumors for this, the gates of the Darker Realm, it's not as often. It, it's almost as if they appeared less often. So maybe if they could be a corrupting theory, I just wish I had a piece of paper to write it down. I'll write it down in my notebook because I have a notebook. <laughs> It is upsetting to learn that there are so many entities in our world that feed on pain and suffering. I wonder if there is some sort of balancing factor. You know, the same way that Purzel, um, vermin and worms eats the deceased, only to them they are f eaten by birds and, and other animals and that provides the nourishment to other animals and creates a whole balance? I wonder if there is some sort of larger scale towards that, too. It's possible, but what you speak of is less about suffering and pain rather than nourishment and life force. This entity seems to feed on itself. Personally, I can't imagine what the goals such a void would be. Well, I suppose we've dwelt enough on the Shadowfell and the happenings down here. Or just goes silent again and his gaze falls to the floor as he's just not really paying attention to anything. I think for a little bit, Methuselah is going to play on Yorick. They're opening their journal as they do and playing a new song. It's one that neither Erki and Mortis have heard before. And it's a very heroic song, but it's also very slow. But it's not Chrysantha's song, it's someone else's. 
The song is played, and it's so beautiful that it captivates the attention of both Mortis and Erky. It's comforting in a way, and allows the moment to be lighter. As he's listening to the song, Mortis, he's, he's still not looking at Methuselah or Erky. His, his eyes are still on the ground, but he forces a small smile. It's a lovely melody, Methuselah. Well, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but if you want to know who it's about, I can tell you. Enlighten me, my friend. It's about you. He has a, a look of surprise that crosses over his face, and, and then just looks down again. That's, that's very kind. I am honored to have such an inspiring song attributed to me, but I'm not certain that I'm worthy of it any longer. Well, I, I definitely pay to differ. The only reason I'm able to play this song is because of you. I mean, you decided against, you know. Even if I was able to find the sense to spare you, I have felt incomplete ever since making that decision. In what way, my friend? <sighs> I suppose I can open up to the two of you. I fear that my crisis of faith has damaged my abilities. In the battles we've faced since the incident, my powers have been less effective. Back in that pit where we encountered the Shadow Fell, I called on the power of the gods, and yet my holy smite was not strong enough to destroy the undead who attacked. And when I tried to stop you, from being sucked into the void, my magics were all but useless. I didn't realize you were struggling that much. I don't know if this helps at all, but I still believe in you and your power, Mortis. I wish things didn't have to be this way. You of all people don't deserve this. Understand this, Methuselah. Do not blame yourself for the state that I am in. The decision was mine alone, and I am facing repercussions for it. Even with all I have lost, I still do not regret it. Uh, I must confess something else, my friends. And then Mortis reaches into his bag and pulls out a bundle of cloth. Uh, he slowly unwraps it, revealing his holy symbol of she, broken in three pieces. After I made the decision to spare you, I've... I felt lost and abandoned. The wisdom of she has guided me for so long, and now... I am plagued by doubt. Uh, did you drop it? After Erky says that, Methuselah's hand floats over and gives Erky a nudge of like, that's... that was a lemon. Ow! What the, No! Look, in the teachings of Lyrta, there's not really a way to upset her. I think the only way to upset her would be to not be curious anymore or have like a lack of animation or a lack of curiosity and then which is very difficult for my people i i recognize it that we are just very very driven people that's why i never heard of something being possible it's just if anything it's exactly that idea of lethargic um, mind and the only cause maybe they're not being interested in you anymore although it's like that is very unlikely it's very rare per se uh, only older uh, gnomes may feel that but 
usually closer to the time that they are going to rest, to be with the rest of our kin in, in her footsteps. I appreciate your insights, my friend. Uh, I do not know much about the Gnomish Pantheon, admittedly. From what I recall of the Elvish Pantheons from my studies in Lestri, Elvish gods tend to be slightly more extreme. They operate in balance with one another. She is the goddess of death, one who teaches that all life must eventually end for new life to flourish. It is against the tenants for undead creatures to roam as they stand opposed to the natural cycle of life. Even though Methuselah has far more life than an ordinary undead, by refusing to slay them, I have disobeyed the will of my goddess. In essence, my oath to she has been severed, and now I am unsure how to regain her favor. I hope this isn't too much to ask. I know from experience that those close to us can help change our perspectives and understand things from a new angle. What do you think Nera would do in this situation? How would she help you get back on the path? To be honest, I'm not sure. So much has happened. I can say for certain that Nera would have been devastated if you had died. She was a lover of life who saw good in everything. And I am sure she would have helped me rationalize that you have a place in the world. That said, she also understood my dedication to she and the necessity of death in nature. It is difficult to understand. It is not that I am unaware of the faults and the extremes of she's teachings. As a sworn disciple, it is my duty to undertake the sacred protection of the natural cycle, no matter what. To see the world in black and white, even when it reveals shades of gray. Erky notices Mortis shudder suddenly, but it quickly passes. It doesn't matter right now. What is important is the quest at hand. We must defeat Belak, and after that, I must finish this despicable game of the Marquis in order to free Thorn once and for all. Well, if I suppose you're certain, on the subject of the game, I managed to get some information out of Thorn. Sorry, uh, what game? I don't know if you know, but Thorn, his magic comes from an archfey that we've met, uh, named Marquis. Oh. Terrible creature, more like a leech than anything else. You guys see that information being processed through the facial expression of Erky, and then he goes, that actually does explain a lot. It's very rare to know people that actually have gone through stuff like that. Wow, okay, I found it, you know, um, and he looks at Thorn. I just thought that he was very eccentric, devoid of education, and probably raised by himself. I would say that Thorn is quite smart. Smart people can't, now having gone through a proper, you know, care or education or something like that, but I just thought that 
he was under those unique circumstances and very eccentric with capabilities of magic. I, there are just born with this innate ability of magic. It is possible that an archfey like the Marquis sought out someone with an innate magic connection who was easy to manipulate. Regardless of how it happened, we've been trying to free our friend from this creature's clutches. We've been hatching a plot of sorts. I'm sorry for saying this, it's just that these creatures are rumored to be godlike. They are as close to divinity as there is without being true divinity. If the rumors are right, there are not real established theories about it either because not many people tend to survive. Under Mortis's breath, almost too quiet to hear, he mutters, I have no plans on surviving. But sure, what do you guys have in mind? Well, I don't know if you wanted to explain it, Mortis. You're welcome to, my friend. No need keeping any more secrets between us. The creature, Sadalin, made a deal with Thorn and Mortis that they would play in this game and, and compete to find a worthy gift for the Marquis. That's basically it. You know, without going into details, unless you would like details. Um, you know what? I'm okay. Uh, the best way to deal with these creatures usually is rumored that you sh just should try to avoid. But you like to play things really dangerously, right, my friend? And he's looking at Mortis. Mortis slowly looks up to Erky. I understand the dangers, and to be honest, my only goal is to rid Thorn of that creature. After that, well, we shall see what becomes of me once we're back on the surface. The two of you recognize an expression of shame on Erky's face. As he looks down upon hearing your words, he raises his head up again and says, Despite everything I know about creatures like the Archfey and how dangerous they might be, there's no better reason to face something like that other than to help a dear friend. If you guys need help, we survive this place. I am willing to help. I don't know if I would be willing to go all the ways as to fight against a creature like that, but maybe helping, like, figuring out a way to? Maybe when I went back to, you could search about it and I'd be effective that way. All I can ask of you, my friend, is to survive and live on. Continue to do good work and continue to do Leota's will. As for me, I will take care of myself. And I suppose if you'd like to do some research on the Archfey, that would be appreciated. We need every advantage in this fight against this leech. I would say to be careful with those words, but oh, I've I'm said willing. it. I've said it to its face, and I'll do it again. Oh, it's a good thing you're not alive, right? Yes, I suppose it's got me acting a bit bolder than before. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so what is this game about? They're, they're trying to find a gift for the Marquis. Now, Thorn has given me some information about what he plans to give. I assume that he might try to give the apple, but I think Thorn's planning on giving the tree itself. Is that even possible? I'm not sure. I, I don't really know how it sort of works. I mean, I, I saw Thorn eating my gloves. Um, did he do that? because he was hungry? No, he did it because I gave the Marquis my gloves because I didn't need them anymore. I gave it freely because no point wearing the gloves when everyone knows. Right. Okay. I'm not sure how Thorn would give the tree, but it might be possible. It creates apples, so it must be in invaluable. 
Thorn did ask Seeker to help him find a gift, but I convinced them to sabotage his efforts in order to help us. It is good to hear. They are a good friend. Yes, and I, I trust them to do what is right. Methuselah, you notice a look of guilt wash over Mortis's face at this moment? There is something I must confess, my friend, as we are discussing the apple. Oh, go on. Earlier, after our conversation with Daphne, she told me something disturbing about the apple's healing properties. What do you mean? She explained that although the apples are renowned for their healing properties, they are also incredibly dangerous. To use them could yield potentially disastrous consequences. By dangerous, do you mean the apple might not work? She wasn't clear, but I could tell that her caution was sincere. I worry about what this means for you and for Chrysanthemum. I suppose I will deal with whatever consequence comes from the apple, if I have a choice. I completely understand. I would do anything to bring Nera back, if I could. But given that these apples come from an evil source, I am concerned about what effects they may have and how it would impact you. Of course, this is all speculation. For all I know, Daphne's warning could be linked to something far more mundane. Perhaps. I think it's too early to tell. We'll have to go there and, and see for ourselves. Before, I tried to rob you of the opportunity to live and make your own choices. That was wrong. Your agency is your own, and I will support whatever decision you make regarding the apple. Thank you. I, I appreciate everything you've done for me so far. The journey isn't over yet. No, and we've still got the druid to face. Speaking on the note of the game, what were you planning to do, Mortis? As you know, if you don't give anything that both you and Thorn we will be lost to the Marquis' whims. I will not allow that to happen. I would give my own life if it meant that Thorn could be free of that monster forever. To be honest with you, I... I don't have a solid plan. I know for certain that I would never dream of handing over the apple of virtue or the tree. To put such power into the hands of a fiend like that would be a far greater betrayal to she than sparing you ever was. However, I have considered items that might pique Sadlin's interest. Both of you are more familiar with magic than I. I believe that you would know that Certain artifacts are rarer than others. I can think of no greater prize than a druidic focus, or perhaps even two. That would be an impressive gift. I don't know how an Archfey would view such a thing. When we defeat Balak, I assume he will carry a druidic focus. That would make a good gift, and though it would pain me to give away my last memory of her, I know that the sacrifice of Nera's symbol would be worth far more in her eyes. To allow such a creature to continue influencing Thorn would be to spit on her memory, and that is something that I cannot allow. Of course, this is only assuming that no other options present themselves. Yes, I suppose 
Another way to sort of break the market would be to find any sort of loopholes in the game itself. One that I can think of now, this one, this one is very hard and doesn't seem the best. It's that the game ends when you return to the surface. So, you stick down here, technically the game would never end. My only thing with that is Thorn is very adamant about this game. So, if the other Thorn came out and stayed, it might be the best sort of circumstance so you don't have to always fight Thorn. But of course, this is all theoretical, and I, I don't think it would be kind to condemn both of you to stay down here. Because you still wouldn't be free of the Marquis. If it were solely me that the Marquis was focusing on, then perhaps I would consider staying down here, allowing the game to continue on. But I fear that it is guaranteed that the Marquis's influence over Thorn remains. I could not subject him to a life down here. To do so would be no better continuing to allow him to be Sadlin's slave. But it is an idea. Containing this evil is our most important goal. And I suppose if you think about it, it might not be too bad for Thorn. There's the Cobalt's down here, and if we can convince the goblins to maybe change, then it might not be so bad of a life. But again, I only think that that's a last resort. It's definitely not something that should be our first plan. As much as I trust Thorn, I worry that the, the Marquis would slowly eat away at him even if he were in his more rational state. As I said, my main priority is saving Thorn, and perhaps the best way to do that would be to suggest it to stop from giving a gift. Even if I must give up the druidic focus, it would guarantee that Sadlin would keep his attention on me. After that, it would be easier to deal with the problem. I suppose, but I still wouldn't want to force that on you. He pauses for a moment, retrieves the, the focus, this thing is just an object at the end of the day. It is not Nera, and the memories of her would still linger on. Though it would pain me to give it up, I would deem it a worthy sacrifice if it means saving Thor. I suppose no matter what, the story will always be alive in you. And failing that, I would count on you to continue both our stories in a worse situation for as long as you exist. No matter what happens, I know we will. I'll hold you to that, my friend. And then for the first time in a while, he has an actual smile, but it fades away quickly. Oh there. You guys are very, very daring people. You should see my wife. She's ten times more daring than I am. Well met, fellow traveler. You seem world-weary and in need of respite from this harsh world we live in. Fear not, I have just the thing for one such as you. An actual play D&D podcast titled Beholding Out for a Hero. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Oh, but fear not, traveler. You can find this particular treat almost anywhere that podcasts are released. Here, allow me to tell you more about it. Tis the tale of four... intrepid adventurers. Miki, Kitty with an IE, Jem, and Sergeant Patches. 
these misfits strive to solve mysteries set before them. Although, they certainly take that sweet time going about it. You do not believe me? Come closer and listen to my crystal ball. That doesn't mean I'm just going to eat you at the first chance I get. Fully organless. My insides are also dry. No organs. No. I am not a compulsive liar. Despite the way she's making it sound, we're not cops. Oops. I was wondering why you were mentioning dark vision. I was like, why does that matter? It's morning. <laughs> Go ahead, traveler. Take my scrying crystal and dive into the world of beholding out for a hero. Discovered almost anywhere podcasts are found. You will not be disappointed. That's the sound of me disappearing in like a magical mist. end of this episode of the sunless citadel thank you so much for listening subscribe to us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts and be sure to catch the next installment of the sunless citadel every thursday at 12 p.m est if you like the show please consider leaving a review it's a small way to show your support that goes a long way to connect with us, follow our social media accounts, and if you'd like to support us, you can head over to our Patreon to join the conversation, view sneak peeks of our next project, and discover our fantastic bonus content. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path Musical. The Sunless Citadel can be found in Tales from the Yawning Portal by Wizards of the Coast. The world of Nosomundus was created by Pedro Stockler. Thanks again for listening from all of us at the Storytellers Tavern.